and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, we are going to be doing a deep dive into a very mature franchise brand called Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. And with me today, I have Chris Hinker, who is the Vice President of Development. Welcome, Chris. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So this is a pleasant change for me. I really uh, tend to introduce a lot of, I would say, more emerging brands that are in the 50 to 150 location type range. But with physical, you guys were established in 2012 and started franchising in 2013, and you currently have over 500 locations throughout the United States including 62 corporate locations. That is incredible growth. Well, uh, we've been impressed with it ourselves and very happy with it. A lot of it is due to having some great franchisees and some and some great leaders in the organization. But yeah, we've grown quite rapidly. Uh, you know, that makes us today, we are actually the largest uh, physical therapy franchise in the world and we're still growing rapidly. Uh, so we're excited about it. Well, congratulations. So this is, I actually have a sister who's a physical therapist, so I have the privilege of l learning a lot from her, I should say. But what makes uh, physical, and this is spelled F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, what makes physical therapy and balance centers special and unique? Well, besides just the spelling, we uh, we differentiate ourselves primarily in a couple of different areas. The first would be the service lines that we provide. So I think most people are at least vaguely familiar with physical therapy. Uh, if not, it's it's the, the rehabilitation of folks that have become injured by some way, shape, or form and need to be rehabilitated or have gone through surgery, which creates the same result as an injury, which is a need for rehab. Um, most of the time that's related to the musculoskeletal system or joints. Um, that is only actually one piece of physical therapy, but the world treats it as if that's the entire physical therapy uh, opportunity. So physical offers that service. Uh, as well as any physical therapy location, even not within our brand. But physical really differentiates ourselves by also offering a very, very robust program for balance, dizziness, uh, and fall risk. And, and most of the time, we just call it balance. So that's where the name physical therapy and balance centers comes from. So service line is a big differentiator for us. It's a very, very large marketplace. Uh, in fact, in our case, the balance revenue makes up almost as much revenue as the traditional therapy does in our model. So it's a very key differentiator. Uh, and then the second component that I think is probably most important in differentiating ourselves, at least uh, in ways that everyone can see, would be consumer experience. So we focus heavily on what the end consumer experience is, and it ends up paying dividends for us because it means that you know, not only do we have happy end consumers, but we also are much more successful in the recruitment and retention of folks like your sister, you know, the therapists and some of those key team members who are really going to be a part of building the brand. Um, 
And then in the ways that only our franchisees get to say get to see, I, I would say that we differentiate ourselves in the, the level and quality of our franchise support too. But hopefully every franchisor believes that. Um, we certainly do. Well, I do hear that a lot, but you're you're right. A lot of I would say given your success to date, you're doing pretty good in that area. So uh let's first touch on the employee landscape because Certainly, uh, I guess uh, the recruitment and the retention of employees is very important to somebody that is looking at a business model to invest in. And one thing that I really like about this model is this is a more professional um, employee landscape. So you're looking for individuals who have, um, gosh, four plus years, probably six plus years of experience or education. Um, what does the overall retention look like? And how does the corporate office assist with recruitment of employees? Well, the retention side is is one of the areas that our, our franchise candidates and our franchisees find most attractive. Um, typically, I'll phrase it by saying they're really primary difference in those that we employ in this business as opposed to most other franchise opportunities, quite frankly, most other business opportunities, is that these are career employees, not job employees, right? These are folks who have invested almost as much in their education as you're going to invest in the business. So if there is a pandemic or if there is a uh, some sort of economic issue, th these pressures that can change the way that the hiring market looks, it doesn't change a therapist's desire to be a therapist. They don't pick up and decide they're going to start an Amazon dropshipping business. It just, it just doesn't work like that. These are folks who have been through every bit as much schooling as a physician, um, and this is a part of who they are. So for us, we really focus on the quality of experience that our employees receive. And a large part of that goes directly to the quality of care that consumers receive because therapists are very, very passionate people. They really are devoted to their craft. And so part of making them excited to come to work is making sure that they're in a position where they can provide a great quality outcome to the patients. And it's actually fortunate that those get to go hand in hand. So. You know, for each individual or each marketplace, obviously recruitment is going to vary in different ways, shapes, and forms. But I can very positively report that um, for a lot of our owners, their employees are with them for their entire tenure with physical. Um, I usually will say that, look, if you treat them well and there's not some major life event that dictates that they must go somewhere else, these folks will be with you forever. Um, so we're really, we're really happy to see that it lets owners and operators focus on what most of them are really keen to do, which is own and operate and grow a team. And it's hard to grow a team if they're not with you long enough to have an impact. So, right. Yeah. This is an industry that, um, I've learned from my sister that she has struggled to find private practice, physical therapy places to be employed. And she has found that that is really what she appreciates, that that's the environment that she looks for. So, um, you know, that's another thing that when I ran across physical as a brand that I thought was very appealing. 
So let's talk about ownership models and what who the ideal uh, candidate is that physical is looking for. So um, this is a model that you do not need to have a medical background, as I understand. Is that correct? That is correct. Absolutely not. Okay. So in that instance, so let's say I want to invest in um, a physical a therapy and balance center. I have a business background, uh, spent numerous years in the corporate world in the aviation industry. And uh, so in the scenario of me investing, it what that uh, landscape would look like is I would hire a clinical director that would oversee the clinic, and then I would play a part in other ways. Is that true? Yeah, it's very true. So the way that the situation works is... Uh, my experience in the franchise world is that the, the term owner-operator gets thrown around quite a bit, and sometimes it really should be owner-employee. In this case, you are owner-operator. You are not providing therapy, not even if you want to. You are not legally qualified to do it, so that's a good way to not be an owner for long. But <laughs> in this case, what you're doing is you're financially stewarding the business, you are involved in recruitment and retention when necessary. You're involved in oversight of marketing and oversight of clinical productivity and performance. So basically, outside of those few activities, your only role is to be a good steward of the business. If there's a benefit that you can provide from your unique background or your network or any of these other things like your relationship uh, with your sister or someone in the medical community, those are things you should bring to the table. But routinely, we're looking at pretty basic owner-operator responsibilities, financials, team management, be additive to marketing in any way you can, at least oversee it, and then generally set a good culture within the business. Um, so you will be hiring a physical therapist and that person is a clinical director. They're going to handle everything clinically. You don't have to teach them how to treat. When it comes to balance, physical will provide additional training to that person and everyone else around balance therapy alone, but they already are licensed to treat. They don't need your assistance there. They're going to, I'll often say it's like, you're the owner of the team and they're the captain of the team. Okay, so the other therapists are going to look to them for some leadership, for some advice, for some culture setting. But if you have business initiatives that need some sort of translation into clinical terms, they'll do that for you. That's what their role is. Um, and it's a very, very symbiotic relationship. You know, you're giving them the room to provide the care they need to provide. That's what their education was for. Um, and they're going to understand that your role is to protect them, protect the patients and steward the growth of the business. So uh, honestly, it's, you know, having a healthcare background is not really an advantage here at all. It's about having the skill sets that apply to business ownership. And to use you as an example, you know, without getting too far into, into the weeds on that, um, a lot of corporate roles and high level corporate experience actually translates very well. You've You've learned how to handle the business initiatives, you learn how to handle a team and personalities. And I find that um, 
the term is sometimes funny, but corporate refugees, right? Mm-hmm. Those that no longer want to see their their uh, life in the corporate world for one reason or another, they do very well uh, in this field. I think that even outside of what the background is, whether it be marketing or sales or CFO or CEO or something totally different, um, there's one skill set that t- tends to really translate to high performance. And that is if if you are a, a grower of people, right? If you can manage a team, if you have any experience in being good at doing that, you're you're an attractive candidate for us uh, because you're working with some really attractive employees and um, folks who, when nurtured, are going to just thrive. And so if you can do your piece, they'll do theirs. And so I, I find people managers to be really, really successful um, in this particular model. And then that just easily translates into retention of employees by providing that nurturing culture and so forth. So yeah, I can absolutely see that. So okay, out of your 500 plus locations, and we do in the franchise industry, we throw around owner operator, we talk about semi passive ownership, but uh, how what is the breakdown um, percentage wise out of those 500 plus locations uh, between owner operator and semi-passive ownership? Well, to be honest, it's shifting so quickly that it's very difficult to keep a pulse on that. And what I'll share with you is is why I say it that way. Uh, In the early days of physical, we were what you would call a conversion franchise. So for two primary reasons, one, to prove the validity of our model, and two, to build a irrefutable brand, right? A brand that was synonymous with high quality care. That way, those that aren't in the field are not going to be questioned when they enter it. We targeted existing physical therapy businesses and said, let us show you how your life could be better as a member of physical. And at that point, we were 100% folks who had some sort of affiliation with healthcare because you owned a clinic in PT. Now, over time, we learned that that model has its challenges too. And I'll be the first to say it. I think every therapist would admit it. Physical therapists, and this typically goes for physicians as well, very, very skilled and intelligent people. Traditionally, very poor business people. Uh, Just because there's no training related to that in any of their education. It's not communications, no marketing, no P&L management, right? Even the terminology that we use when discussing some of the performance had to change when we began to work with uh, uh, therapists as opposed to those that are business oriented, things like EBITDA and you know net income and things like that. So um, it has transitioned over time. And as we've seen greater and greater results and success from those that are non-clinical and non-healthcare oriented, um, in terms of actually being clinicians, it's okay if you have a background in healthcare, of course. Uh, that that needle has, that pendulum has swung quite the opposite way. So out of the locations that are open today, there's, there's still a majority that have some sort of affiliation just because of the way that growth takes place. However, uh, over the last two years on average, we've had about 150 licenses, which would be about 100, the rights to about 150 locations awarded each year. And those are almost exclusively non uh, clinical owners. So uh, this year we will open by plan 114 locations. Uh, 
Um, we opened 86 last year. They will be almost entirely non-clinical owners. So that transition has really happened for us. It's just about a uh, eh, half a year to a year sort of lag time before it starts to manifest in open centers. Sure, sure. Yeah, this is a brick and mortar, so you're going to have time associated with that. What does the footprint of a uh, physical location look like from a square footage standpoint? And do you need um, street visibility, prime real estate, or is this a concept that could perhaps be in a medical office building? Well, so footprint wise, we're typically targeting 1800 to 2200 square feet. So if you had to throw, you know, one number out there, I would say 2000, give or take. Um, one of the most desirable aspects about the real estate side is the flexibility. Uh, not only do we not need visibility, most times we don't even want it. And, and I know that sounds strange. It's not that we don't want visibility. It's not worth any additional investment because we're what you would call a destination business. So very rare, if ever, is the case that somebody's walking down the street and says, ah, that's right, physical therapy. I needed that today. It, you know, it just doesn't work that way. So what happens is when people need our service, they're directed to us. They find us online. They know where to go. They're sent by a physician. They're given the address. They're given the name. So people uh, in our field are more focused on convenience of location, not visibility. And that translates to more cash in your pocket, quite frankly. It's, it's, it's not as expensive to be convenient as it is to be visible. And that's where our focus is. So um, the, the background that I have here is, is sort of the clinical area of a location. And then off to, uh, to this side would be maybe a lobby, whereas there may be a small break room or something in the back. So it's a very fairly open, fairly simple model. Uh, not a lot of build out required if you find the right spot. And so we're trying to uh, minimize the the uh, challenges and the spend that would come with build out, et cetera, by just identifying the right real estate. And within this square footage, there's usually quite a few options open, which is which is desirable. No, I love, you mentioned a need-based business, which is certainly a very attractive attribute for investors when they're considering business models. The other thing is it's a recurring revenue stream. So for a period of time, you will be working with an individual and it could be a matter of weeks, it could be months, it could be years, depending on their case. So that's that's another very um, attractive attribute. So uh, is this an insurance-based business or more of a cash-based business? Uh, the answer is both. But at the present time, we certainly skew very heavily to the insurance side. Um, balanced therapy and traditional physical therapy is all covered by insurance. It's all covered by commercial or government, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, as well as uh, all your commercial insurances. So Blue Cross, Blue, Seal, Blue Shield, United, you know, the whole, the whole litany, they all cover this service. And in our nation, if you've got insurance, you want to use it. So we certainly focus on being in network with insurance providers so that we can, we can uh, allow patients to use their insurance. Now, that being said, we do have patients that happily pay cash for the service as well. Um, 
I would say that today, if I had to estimate, probably probably about somewhere around uh, 80 to 90 percent of revenues are associated with insurance. So I would include cash copays and things like that in, in that bucket. And then maybe 10 to 20% are these ancillary additional services that will never be associated with insurance by design. So uh, we provide therapy, but while you're there, even though you were there for your shoulder, we identify that you have a challenge with your ankle. It's always bugged you. Perhaps you could benefit from a custom orthotic insert in your shoe. You might pay $300 in cash for that, right? So that would be a service that is not insurance-based but is still going to be uh, you know, provided within the clinic associated with therapy. So we do a little bit of both. Um, and you know, there are folks that focus a little more on the cash side. It's an owner's choice, but it's an insurance-based model today for, for sure. And it's, um, there's some positive you know, aspects to that. You, you're not chasing folks down to get paid. You know that if you file the paperwork, you put the claim in, you know, you know, you know that your money is coming and you know when it's coming. And uh, it's a consistent model where you don't have the challenges of tons of cash in the business or inventory and things like that to track, which can be sometimes problematic depending on your level of trust with your team. Yeah, absolutely. So when a physical uh, location is at a mature stage, uh, how many employees do they peak out at? Yeah, six to seven. Um, typically the breakdown on the day that you're starting is going to be that you have a therapist, you have a reception based role, and you may have a full-time marketer. And I say may because, um, that marketing role is scalable. So it can apply to a multitude of locations. So if you're in a market where there's already a neighboring location, you may share that marketing individual, that business to business sort of ambassador. You may share that role. Over time, you're likely to add approximately four more clinical providers. So a ramped up location, a mature location, probably has five people providing therapy, one administrating, and one focusing on the marketing side. And for the balance, you mentioned that the balance aspect of the business is almost equal to the physical therapy part. Sure. Do, are the physical therapists the ones performing the balance treatments as well, or is that a different skill set? Yeah, so to clarify, and this, this gets a lot of people confused, so I'm glad you asked this question. Technically, balance therapy and therapy, they're all just therapy. They're all provided by a physical therapist. The reason that we really call them, I call them out differently is because it's a specialty service. So while any therapist is legally allowed to provide balance, they don't know how. It's not a part of their traditional education. So if you were to speak with your sister, if she went through a traditional course, she went four years of undergraduate school, four years of a doctoral program to become a doctor of physical therapy. Lucky she would be if she spent two to three days discussing balance. And so what happens is, just like if you're a chef, if you start a restaurant as a chef and you don't know how to make a pizza, you're not going to put it on the menu. And therapists that don't know how to provide balance, they they don't offer the service. So um, therapists are all providing the, the traditional therapy. Therapists at physical can be trained to also provide balance therapy in a really meaningful way. 
and the insurance panels, the um, medical boards, those things, regulators, they're all going to look at this and say, yeah, that's, that's always something that you've been qualified to do. It is the service of a therapist, et cetera. The difference is whether or not you choose to do it, right? And so in this case, um, it's it's a focus of education on our side. So we have intellectual property that we put a lot of money and a lot of time developing that uh, we've now translated into a really scalable, teachable model. So we could take a doctor of therapy and in about two weeks' time, we could train them to treat about 80% of the balanced patients that they would ever see. Uh, and that's a really key part of our model because so many times there's overlap in those patients and balanced patients are just sort of the black sheep of the healthcare community because folks don't know how to help them. Medical doctors, therapists alike. So. Oh, I love that. It's, I mean, number one, you're, you're giving your therapist another skill set or tool for their toolbox and at the same time, it's adding an additional revenue stream for the clinic itself. So let's transition from the traditional physical therapy and balance center uh, model to you have another opportunity for investors, which is called an area developer. Can you describe what that opportunity looks like? Sure. So. The area developer or area representative model is a larger scale uh, opportunity. So we have the unit side, which would be, I would like to own a clinic or multiple clinics, right? When you get beyond a certain point and you really see yourself in a more uh, involved role, there's an opportunity called area representative. And what that looks like is targeting a geography. Typically for us, it's focused on population, but usually it's a DMA. So uh, example is I, I worked with a, a group in Nashville, a fellow in Nashville who uh, secured the rights for the entire Nashville DMA. Okay, so in that particular marketplace, he now is physical's operational partner in developing that market. What that means is he has the right to develop all the clinics there if he wishes or he can also allow others to develop those clinics as long as they're qualified franchise candidates, and he'll benefit from either capacity. Um, when you are an area developer, you make a larger commitment to us. Um, that commitment is to what you call a development schedule, which is a specific number of units, specific number of, of clinics that has to exist in a period of time. Now, the benefit is because you are doing that, physical makes commitments to you as well a reduced royalty for each and every unit that you own, benefits that exist from the additional clinics that might exist in your market. So if you've purchased the rights to the market, but you allow someone else to purchase them back, well, then it's only right that you receive uh, you know, a financial benefit from essentially sub-franchising or allowing someone else to exist there. And so Physical's created a, a very, very attractive financial program there with the intent of uh, bringing in some partners who are going to be very successful, very focused in their development. So I guess if I had to summarize the, the area representative, here's what I would say. I would say that the area representative makes a commitment to physical that is larger. They're going to develop a specific number of locations. Let's just give an example of maybe 10 in 10 years as a minimum. That doesn't mean that they need to own them all. 
They could allow others to develop in the marketplace that they've purchased. So if I'm an area representative and I own Nashville and you want to open a clinic there, I can allow that. That will count towards my development schedule. The benefits financially are when I open my clinics, I am going to receive a discounted royalty, a significantly discounted royalty. And I'm also going to, if I allow you to develop, I'm going to receive some financial benefit from your development of a center as well. And so that that is a very meaningful portion here. So essentially, area representatives are committing to a marketplace, uh, larger development over a period of time. And if someone is really committed to owning multiple units and they have the financial wherewithal and the experience, because physical is looking for a particular individual and skill set to offer that type of opportunity to, if they qualify and have that interest, Financially, it's, I hesitate to use this term, but it's at a certain level, it's a no-brainer um, because over time that that economic modeling will be strongly in the area representative's favor, but there are some caveats to that. It's a larger initial investment, and uh, so it takes a little bit of upfront capital to play, and you have to be committed to some some significant development. If you are, and we're willing to offer that opportunity in that market, uh, it, it can be a very, very exciting model. Once we've started offering this, it uh, for those that qualified, it's it's been a very, very attractive uh, model. So we have some great partners that are focused on growth with us. And um, as a part of Physical's plan, we're more about your development focus as opposed to we're not really having uh, you take our place as supporting other franchisees. That's not the intent here. Uh, we continue to do that. We really want you to be focused on saying, here's my marketplace. I want it to bleed physical blue as fast as possible. Yeah, this is an ownership model that is far and few between, um, or opportunity, I should say, the area developer opportunity is far and few between in the industry today. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, if you know of some hot markets that are still available for the area developer, I would love for you to share some of those. Sure. So keep in mind, depending on whether folks are listening to this live or even just a few days from now, it may change. But uh, there are some great markets. It depends on on where you are and where you're willing to go. Keep in mind, depending on your skill set, too, that you the need to be in market with an area representative sometimes is, is less, uh, depending upon your approach to development. That being said, uh, there are opportunities in the northern part of Boston, uh, Orlando, uh, the entire state of Montana and Idaho would make great markets as you look at that. There are opportunities in Ohio, uh, in some of the major metropolitan areas. There are opportunities, it, it depends on the scale of development as well. So in certain cases, like as in New Jersey, um, yes, part of the marketplace is spoken for, but there's still room for area development opportunities in, I would say there's probably room for one in almost uh, every state, but the difference is physical is not going to just offer this opportunity to anyone in any market. We're more concerned about who the partner is. And we're also, there's a certain number of these partnerships that we deem are going to be appropriate. Uh, at which point we just simply won't need that type of partner anymore. So um, it, it, candidly, it's likely to be this year that we don't 
that we no longer offer that opportunity because we brought in some really amazing folks and we're looking to to round out that crew with some more. Um, but I I expect that uh, that 2023 will be the last year that we're offering the opportunity because while we love, love it and uh, the AR certainly love it, at the end of the day, uh, it it is it is accelerating growth for us and doing some meaningful things. But if physical were to uh, allow that development to take place purely within our own team, it would be more financially meaningful to us. So uh, over time, uh, you know, the opportunity is going to, to, to disappear pretty quickly. But if folks have questions on any particular markets, uh, you know, they can certainly check with us and, and we can let them know very quickly if an area representative opportunity is effective for that market or available and, and that type of thing. Cause I know I only gave you a few um, and there are, there are a few more that exist. Well, and I know the area developer model has uh, gained a lot of momentum over the past year. And so, so not surprised to hear that 2023 may be the last year for it. Um, with that said, what are the financial qualifications for an area developer? Hmm. Well, I'll put it to you in the, in these terms. The the minimal financial investment that an area developer is going to make in terms of the the initial area representative fee is three hundred thousand. So that is, I mean, that is the the that's liquid capital that you need to be able to stroke a check for initially if you want to be in that program. Beyond that, if you are developing your own locations, you're going to need to be able to qualify for the appropriate funding or self-fund those locations. So um, we we hesitate to throw out a specific number and say, hey, this means your area representative material, but everyone will come to the conclusion of, hey, if you need to be able to make that investment comfortably. And you need to be able to follow your model of development. So uh, uh, the person who wants to own all the centers in the marketplace themselves needs to have more capital, more liquidity than sure. the individual willing to say that they would allow, they would develop three and allow seven others to be developed by maybe soliciting them or by networking. So it does vary. Um, but initially, the investment level up front is larger uh, at a starting scale of 300, and um, it, it scales upward from there, depending on the size of the market that you're that you're interested in pursuing. So it's quite a bit larger, but still very accessible to a certain group of individuals that are, you know, that are uh, especially when they understand how quickly that might be coming back to them based on what they were already committed to doing, right? If you were interested in doing three locations or more, and then you see the economics play out over time, it, uh, it's a very it attractive makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on a last note, then total investment for a single unit, a physical therapy and balance center is between 165,000 and 474,000. And that is with, um, what is your initial, your franchise fee associated with it? So we have a multi-unit program, but a single unit is always 49000 Okay. That's our investment. If one were to consider multiple units at a, at a single point in time, let's say three units, the first is 49, the second is 35, 
the third and any beyond that. So if you were interested in doing five, it would be 49,000, 35,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000 ad infinitum. So <laughs> that's the way that we do that. Um, and that range for investment is, is, is large, but that gives flexibility to our franchisees to make choices that they want to make as well. Um, and so some folks, while we don't need retail, they want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want that size and that scale. And that's, that's okay. It's permitted. Um, traditionally, we're looking at maybe closer to like the 350 to 380,000 as, as more of like an average perhaps within that range, although the whole range is certainly possible. Sure. Now, I think for a brick and mortar, I mean, you're talking a brick and mortar office space and, um, you know, the type of build out that's required. I think this it's, it's a comfortable investment level. It's, I, I mean, we see much higher in the industry, right? So oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, on a last note, anything else you would say to somebody that's considering a physical um, and what, what would your last words be? Hmm. I guess what I would say is that there are very few opportunities in business to to do good while you're doing well. Uh, and this is one of them. So for the people that are really driven by that, uh, who want to make a make a difference while they're creating a business, you know, so many of us cannot be clinicians. We're not trained to do that. This is about as close as you can get. And it's pretty powerful to feel the rewards of And these are your patients as well. At the end of the day, you're not treating them, but they're your patients, right? They're your customers as well. So there's a, there's a lot of heartwarming going on here too. There's a really great culture that's been built in the franchise community. Uh, I've been with the brand for seven years and don't have any plans to go anywhere. And that's a large part of why. So uh, we understand there's no mission without money. You know, the business makes money. It clearly does well and the system works. And I think um, for folks who are interested in this type of opportunity, who don't be concerned about what your background is. If you have the interest, we've got the model that can work for you. And what I would say is uh, ask yourself if you're interested in helping people heal. If you're interested in balance and sports med and orthopedics, and if you are, pick up the phone and talk to us. Can't hurt. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being with us today. Um, I look forward to bringing some candidates your way and hopefully helping you round out those area development territories you have left open. Yeah, thank you for having me. We would love to see it. Yeah. So for anybody interested in learning more about the Physical Therapy and Balance Center concept, please reach out to me at stacy at fusionfranchising.com. Thank you and have a great day. 